Welcome to Bike Talk with Dave. I'm your host, Dave Mabel, and I appreciate you tuning into these conversations that I'm having with incredible people doing incredible things. This week, I'm reuniting with the cyclist I met three years ago in Fairbanks, Alaska, just before we both ventured west on the Iditarod Trail, Tyson Flaherty. Before we get to our show, I'd like to invite you to hop on your mountain bike and join us at the Iowa Mountain Bike Championship Series, a summer-long series of great mountain bike races in Iowa, everything from shorter cross-country races to the marathon. If you haven't ridden the sweet single track in Iowa, you're in for a real treat. It is fast and flowy. The IMBCS consists of seven races throughout Iowa, starting in April and finishing up in August. You can find the entire schedule and information at bikeiowa.com backslash IMBCS. We hope you check it out and put some of the IMBCS races on your schedule. Now, about Tyson. He lives in Fairbanks, works at a bike shop, Goldstream Sports, and loves riding his fat bike in long winter races, and he's pretty darn good at it. He's done the Iditarod Trail Invitational, or ITI 350, which goes from Anchorage to McGrath four times, and he's won it twice. His second race and first victory was in 2019. I happened to be in Alaska working on a film about the ITI 1000 with my friend Steve Cannon, or Canjo. Our film, A Thousand Miles to Nome, documents the challenges of racing on bike and foot along the Iditarod Trail through the wild, remote interior of Alaska to the shores of the Bering Sea and on to Nome. Now, I ran into Tyson at about 90 miles into his 350-mile race at a little oasis on the Iditarod Trail, the Squentna Roadhouse. Tyson stopped in for a quick rest and a meal before continuing on into the night. He finished about 36 hours later, completing the race in just under 48 hours. He actually beat me to McGrath, and I was in a bush plane. Anyway, he left McGrath before I got there, so we haven't talked since that night in Squintna. Until, that is, we caught up on St. Patrick's Eve to talk about his second ITI 350 victory, which was just a couple of weeks ago. I have to admit, sometimes the audio kind of stinks, but we did the best we could as he was streaming from near the Arctic Circle in Fairbanks, Alaska. Okay, now is about the time when we get to uh, the part in my conversation. Okay, now it's about time we get to my conversation with Tyson. This is where I shut up and cue my theme music to bring in the guest. But I thought it would be fun to bring him in with the original Iditarod Trail song written by Hobo Jim, an Alaskan folk singer-songwriter. This is sung just for us by Brett Hansen, owner of the Peace on Earth Pizza and Music Joint in Unicolite, Alaska, right on the Bering Sea. I was at Peace on Earth on a quiet evening waiting for Kanjo to arrive when Brett got out his ukulele and he sung this special song for an NPR reporter and me. It was a real treat. 
So here you go, and on to Tyson. Okay. Way up in Alaska, the state that stands alone, there's a dog race run from Anchorage into Nome. And it's a grueling race with a lightning pace where the chilly winds do well. Beneath the northern lights and a crow and the ice, and it's called the Iditarod Trail. Well, give me a team with a good lead dog and a sled that's built so fine. And let me race those miles to know 1,049. Then when I get back to my home, hey, I can tell my tale. I did, I did, I did the Iditarod Trail. Tyson, how are you? I'm good. Um, yeah. I, I feel like, and it may be presumptive of me, that uh, this is an appropriate time to talk to Tyson Flaherty. Flaherty. Uh, Flaherty. Are you yeah. a little Irish? Yeah, that's, that's kind of back in there. Yeah. Uh, trickles back a ways. I know people won't listen to this today or tomorrow, but tomorrow is St. Patrick's Day. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> top of the top of the afternoon to you. Yeah. <laughs> what time is it up there? Like six? Yeah, I think about six. The sun is uh, we're getting so much daylight now. It's always hard to like figure out what time it is just by looking outside. I think we're we change it like uh, seven minutes a day now. So oh, that's a lot. When I was in Nome, when waiting for Steve, it was like. I feel like nine or 10 o'clock, it was still light. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, we're getting there. We're out riding. We barely needed lights by nine last night. And I don't know. It just changes so fast this time of year. It's pretty fascinating. It's kind of fun, yeah. though. What time do you, does the sun come up right now? Oh, pretty early. Um, well, I mean, it feels early, but seven, something, maybe, maybe seven. Oh, that's like normal daylight time yeah and we're kind of in the intermediate zone we're not but it just feels so early because we're not used to all winter it's like oh you get up at you leave the house at nine or something sun's not up yet <laughs> <laughs> you so, go home for lunch and sun's not up yet yeah uh so just to tell everyone where you're at you are currently in fairbanks alaska yep, yep. very cool uh, Tyson is, um, and I guess I'll do a little intro before our talk, but, um, shoot, man, just finished and we're victorious again in the Iditarod Trail Invitational or ITI 350. Uh, they say Anchorage to McGrath, but Kinnick to McGrath yeah. starts at Kinnick, um, 300 miles through the Alaska range through the Farewell Burn, down the Kuskokwim River to McGrath. Um, dude, how many times have you done that? Uh, this will be number four. So I'm starting to get that trail figured out a little bit, I guess. Well, <laughs> have you ever not won? Yeah, so I've been, uh, my first year I was second behind uh, Tim Bernston. Um, he basically uh, kind of, I don't know. I was way tired and he just kind of left me all by myself. And <laughs> but so that was, uh, I mean, that year was pretty fast. And then my next one was, uh, that was 2016. Then 2019 was my second go at it. And that was my first win. Um, when, once again, that was like bomber, super amazing trails. Um, you almost broke 48 hours that year. 
Well, I did. I was 47. I was like 10 or 15 minutes under, I think. Okay. Oh, so it was just under. Yeah. My, my memory is fading. Yeah, yeah. A few years but ago now. It was a few years ago now. Um, then I did uh, 2020, which was uh, quite a bit different. That was like four and a half days. Oh, um, wow. Snowy. There. Deep snow. It was lots of snow. It started snowy. It, uh, um, I mean, it, it wasn't super slow for the first like three quarters, but um, that was brutal because we were closing in on last 20 miles to McGrath and uh, the temperatures dropped to like 45, 47 below. And the trail softened up to basically like, I don't know, I could barely ride it and going on like night three or so maybe night four without sleeping a whole lot i mean we actually slept a lot more that year because it was slower but it was just really cold and it took like 10 hours to do the last 20 miles into mcgrath um and it was were really you cold. up on land or were you on the river uh, that was all still on land kind of section yeah but uh yeah so that was pretty brutal in 2020 and that uh that was third that year um behind uh kurt ref schneider and uh, clinton hodges from anchorage um oh sure and uh so that was i mean that year it took me a little bit to like be ready to go again after that it was a pretty big effort um yeah it was i don't know hours of just like stumbling along and kind of falling off the trail or falling asleep on the bike and like i was in pretty rough shape but it uh I don't know. It was, it, and then let's see. Yeah, I didn't do 2021 just with COVID and everything. I'm sure, like, what was really going to happen? And um, I was, and, I was surprised that they had it. Yeah, last year, just uh, you, you know, you think about down here in the continental United States, you get in the car and you drive to <laughs> anywhere you want, right? Yeah, and up there, those little villages are isolated. And uh, I wouldn't want to invite <laughs> a virus into my village, 300 yeah. people or less. Yeah. And uh, I, I was really surprised that uh, both well, they, they, Rod and, and ITA happened. But oh, they, yeah, both, they did. They, they both did out and backs. They didn't go. That's um, right. Oh, actually, no, that did or I did go through McGrath. It did. It went to Iditarod and back. Okay, Iditarod did went further, but ITI only went to Ronan back. That's right. That's right. So it did stay out of the villages, which would have actually been kind of a cool race. But um, yeah, then I was like, okay, I'm, I'll get back in shape and kind of jump in for this year, and that's kind of what I did. Sweet. So how was uh, how was the race this year? It was uh, it was interesting. Like. They've made a couple changes early in the race that kind of throw things off, um, which I don't know, I'm still a little unsure about. Um, they basically added a new checkpoint. I it used that. to be we go straight from the start to Yetna um, Station uh, Lodge up there. And yep. now they added the Butterfly Lake checkpoint, um, but without an actual like route that we're, anyone's supposed to follow, it's kind of a, like a crazy free-for-all. Um, yeah. to try and get like through this like there's a billion trails and then with a lot of like water warm weather water concerns this year going like a few the week 
before the race, everyone was assuming like, like no one even knew if we could like get over any of the like ponds or rivers in that area. And um, fortunately for the race, everything froze up pretty well. Um, but it was like, and so like you look at the trackers and everyone is just totally scattered. Um, and that's kind of a little bit of what it felt like. It was like, okay, like, I don't know. There's a lot of people that have done a lot more research and I was kind of hoping to be able to follow more people that had a better idea where to go because basically the only track log I was following was what, uh, they did last year. Um, mm. so it was kind of like a little bit of, I don't know, like, so right away, basically I ended up on the front and like, I like to go hard. I don't know. I just kind of end up going hard. Um, so then all of a sudden I was with, um, Ryan Atkins and uh, Meron, um, and we were just like cruising. Um, and the, I mean, they're like no one really had good intel on like where we should be, um, but we ended up like Meron had like the best suggestion to like head up this road for a ways until we hit Big Lake, and it's like okay, let's do that, and it all worked out really well because we ended up getting to the first checkpoint first. Um, so it's like okay, that worked. Um, Where was that checkpoint? What was it? A, uh, was it a cabin or something, or a road yeah, house? Yeah, maybe the race director owns a cabin. Like uh, oh. it's about 30, 30 something miles, uh, kind of northwest of um, the start. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's just a little cabin, and you get up there, and it, we made it. And that was like okay. Um, you just kind of tag it and leave. Yeah, I mean, I grabbed a little drink and stuff there, but it was kind of a, I don't know, not really expecting to do much there. And um, then it was like, next up was our first, like, kind of wrong, well, bad course, like, decision. Um, so the three of us got out of there pretty quick um, ahead of the next person. And um, apparently everyone else knew that there was a better trail to take that was, like, packed, like someone had driven it recently. Um, where the trail that I was following, um, we did uh, a couple miles of like pretty like slow walking because there was like no fresh traffic in like well, like a week or something. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> it's like uh, this is um, so I don't know. Maybe we walked for like an hour or something. Is um, that before you got to the Yetna River? Yeah. Once you get to the Yetna, like there's pretty steady snowmobile traffic yeah yeah and the iron dog it just like snow machine race had just finished the day before us um so like it was like okay um there should be like really solid it might not be the smoothest trail but at least there's going to be a hard trail somewhere um and the yetna yeah just has so much like just freight traffic and up to all the lodges and just it just gets a lot of traffic um so yeah eventually like we popped out we were we are now like able to like look at our phones and see like look at the tracking stuff and see where people are um so like while we were walking i was able to like check and like know that we were losing lots of time because i could see like everyone else was taking this like faster trail and like getting way ahead of us huh. um but we weren't really sure when we would actually be able to start riding again which was kind of like stressful it was like, okay, we're walking, and I know there's a firm trail somewhere up ahead. I don't know if it's a one mile. I don't know if it's 10 miles. Um, 
and then I'm like, I can see the tracker and see like the competition is like flying down this, like doing like 10 miles an hour down this other trail. <laughs> wow. Like, uh, it, and you're walking. Yeah. So, I mean, fortunately we were able to ride a little bit of it and we got back out into the hard trail and just like as the sun was going down and so it must have taken us till about like 7 p.m to get there and um then the trail was like a sidewalk it was amazing um, oh wow so yeah we got got rolling and it was just it was fantastic so we all kind of took off and I knew we had some time to make up, so I just like basically take it and take it hard and try to make up some time. And um, I knew I was feeling pretty good, so it uh, yeah. A few miles later, we kind of caught into where the other trail came on and saw a couple of buddies I knew there, and they're like, "Oh yeah, there's so and so's up ahead there." And <laughs> I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna keep going." And um, yeah, I was able to catch everyone by the time we hit the next checkpoint. Um, Did you keep the other two guys with you, or were you on your own? Uh, spread out a little bit. They were. Yeah. I just kind of got the hard trail, and I took off really fast. And it, it took them a little bit longer to get up to speed. And um, so, I mean, I didn't, I didn't see them until. Uh, it's kind of back and forth a little bit, but it was nice by the getting a checkpoint to to kind of be back on the front because i don't know i hate letting time open up early on in these races and it's just especially if i'm feeling good so it was kind of a relief to like not be behind anymore <laughs> and, uh, did you hold it from that point on uh kind of and uh, i mean it was mostly um, like did you stop in squetna for soup and yeah, no, and yet, no, we ended up getting, I don't know, I got some soup and some, like, cheesy bread there, some drinks, and spent a little bit of time there just, like, refueling because I had gone pretty hard to get there. Um, but then one other guy took off pretty quick, so I was like, all right, I should just kind of keep motoring here, and um, I caught him about halfway to Squintna, and I mean, none of us were all that far apart at that point, so I think there's a pretty good group of us getting into Squintna within like half an hour of each other yeah um, do you yeah. do you remember what time you got to squintna oh when i was there in 19 i feel like you guys came in 1 a.m ish is that right That's, or am i no i think we we're faster than that maybe well, i'm I don't... thinking of uh it was no, dark that... it was night it was night yeah that might be about right maybe midnight i know jp came in at yeah you know what he no, came in at 10 p.m it wasn't super okay yeah i mean this might have been more like one or so this year okay um because i want to say two or three or something and the, I, I took out big yeah no i had a good like i don't know my stomach was actually kind of giving me problems so i wasn't able to enjoy the food as much as i would have liked to hmm. How um, was it was Cindy? still good but oh she was wonderful <laughs> Always I like, miss that. They were super nice to me when I was there. I, I, oh, yeah. I would, I would go there and visit again. Just, yeah, just, kind of, just to go there. It's hard to leave some of these places. It's like you kind of, 
you get really comfortable really easily and the food's really good and it's like oh i don't want to get out on the trail yet <laughs> and there's a bed and it's warm yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit wet it's really hard to like okay i gotta gotta put it all back on now <laughs> yeah, head back out i don't know how you do that how do you leave a place like squintna um i think there's like i don't know i mean someone else uh is going on the like um so uh, yeah i guess uh this year uh fletcher yancey and uh ryan they took off um down the trail while i was still eating it's like uh, okay <laughs> um so i guess that was kind of motivation to kind of get get going um I don't know. I mean, I think you're kind of in race mode, so you can't really ever relax that much. Like, I think you kind of get, um, and it's, it's just kind of like a thought that's always like, okay, like if I'm just sitting here, I'm not getting any closer to being done. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty easy sometimes to just be like, okay, I, I don't have to ride fast. I just have to like get out the door and keep moving. Um, and then you're going to get there eventually. Um, so I think that kind of goes through my head a lot. It's like, okay, I don't need to worry about like really cranking. I just need to be moving. Um, so yeah, it was, I don't know, like this year, the trail was pretty good, like through that next section, um, which was nice to see because you never know, like sometimes the trail really sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know until uh... you get there. I know this is jumping a uh, hundred miles ahead, but I heard uh, the farewell burn was a nightmare from the iron yeah. dog. Those guys yeah. did, uh, dig moguls with their sleds um, to uh, slow the people yeah. behind them down. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. Was it horrible? It was, it was really rough. Um, yeah. So basically well, we actually got a little bit of that going down the happy steps as well. Um, well, they really, like mess that up um so yeah leaving finger lake it was like okay the trail looks like it should be good and then you go like a mile and uh then it was like a super like barely rideable trail and then i walked up a hill there and then there's like two moose just like chilling in the trail ahead of me oh and then they like take off down the trail it's like okay now i'm walking for who knows how long um and I think that was a couple hours of walk. It was like seven miles. Like they, they ran down this trail and, um, that was another spot. I was kind of like kicking myself. It's like, okay. I know there's actually this cat track, this like almost a road that goes kind of back to a mine way back in there that kind of parallels the Iditarod trail. Mm -hmm. Um, and I knew that was like in good shape, but I had never really been on it much. Um, but I was sure like, my competition had like taken that other side trail and they were going to like, I'd get to the end of my like seven miles of walking and there'd be a bunch of bike tracks in front of me. Um, that would make you sad. I was, I was really happy to like get to the good trail again and uh, not have any tracks in front of me. Um, it was like a big like relief because I was like, shit, I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's tricky. You don't, yeah. you have to make, decisions and um you don't really know what you're getting into till you get there um but yeah so we got those snowmen like we that trail kind of 
the Iditarod Trail keeps going down the, the happy steps there, which is kind of can be pretty exciting sometimes without the Iron Dog moguls. Um, and I mean, it wasn't too bad, but like when they set these things, when they're the Iron Dog was racing, they um, it was really wet, heavy snow, and like they set these really deep trenches. And but at the base of each one, the way their track like digs in is like almost like a curb you have to hop up on. Um, and then like this massive like roller. So like most of those, you're like having to do this like hand, like pull back on your handlebar maneuver at the same time just to get your front wheel over without like crushing your um without impacting really hard and then like this like couple of power pedal strokes to like get over the top so and then you like shift gears to like roll faster down the next one and um yeah so i mean there's just got to be brutal yeah um so there are a couple miles of that just like getting down through that area and then after that they weren't too bad um basically all the way to rhone i mean there were little bits of them but nothing terrible and um, but yeah, leaving Rhone, it was like, I had never quite seen anything quite like that because they were just frozen so hard. And I actually tweaked my knee pretty good in there somewhere, maybe about 20 miles outside of Rhone. Cool. Um, for a little while, I was pretty worried about it. I kind of had to change how I was pedaling, and not put the same amount of power through my left knee because it was like, oh, it's, it's kind of, I've never felt this kind of pain before. And I think it was just like, you kind of bounce through these ruts and you can't quite, you're kind of all over the place on control. Right. Um, so yeah, it was like, I don't know. It's, it's hard to estimate exactly how much of that we had. Um, I don't know, between 35 and 50 miles total, maybe. Oh, um, wow. And most of it's like standing up and some of it I just had to walk because I had to relax. Like I couldn't ride all of it. Yeah. What was your final uh, time? How long did it take you to get to McGrath? Uh, two days, seven hours, I think. Oh, it's, uh, so, I mean, that's pretty quick, relatively speaking. Yeah, no, that... Uh... I mean, the rest of the race, I mean, the trails were good basically all the way to Rhone. I mean, nothing, you always walk a little bit over the pass and stuff, but everything like going down the other side of Rainy Pass, the trail was good. And um, kind of the, the front side and the south side um, can be the most variable, I guess. Um, and I was able to ride most of that, minimal walking, um, which was nice. I mean, I've my first year we did a lot more walking through that section and can be kind of lame and it wasn't windy it was pretty warm out and it was kind of a trail so you can't really ask for more um and yeah going down there's some like a few collapse like ice bridges and stuff like up kind of heading down rainy pass um that took a little bit of work to like get around um but the dalzal gorge was in beautiful shape like that was one of the best i've some of the best I've ever seen through there. Um, yeah, then we got to Rhone and I was like, okay, not, not really sure what to expect because we hadn't really heard any solid course and like no one really knew what it was like. Um, and yeah, actually to get over to the trail, some of the uh, Tatina River, I guess, um, there was some open water there. Um, so I actually did pull out my waders to get across the 
some open water to get back onto the main trail. Wow. Um, yeah, I've never had to use my waders before, but <laughs> I think it was pretty wet through there and it was kind of freezing up kind of as we were going through. So I think some people later on didn't have any real water and I think some people had lots of water. It was kind of, it was so, so variable. I think the whole race for people. Yeah. What time of day you hit it. And, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I think, uh, i trying to remember what, maybe it was like it's even, I think we left Roan at 3 a.m. Um, which is kind of, I, I don't really like that 3 to 5 a.m. Like those few hours are just, I don't know. I always struggle. <laughs> Even driving those hours are the worst. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't if know. You're doing an overnight drive, like the 3 a.m. until sun, you start getting hints of the sunrise. By the time like six rolls around, you're even five or six, you're kind of like thinking that it's morning and your body clock is like kind of waking up anyways. But um, so leaving Roan at three was kind of rough. Um, for, I don't know. I was, it was kind of weird this year. I never actually got super tired in terms of sleepiness. Um, I think every other time I've done this race, I've gotten really sleepy where you're basically like can barely stay on the bike kind of sleepy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't get that this year. Um, I think maybe I got an hour and a half of sleep. So, mm-hmm. I mean, pretty good for, for me and this race. I think my first year was maybe an hour. My 2019 was like 40 minutes. So, I mean, an hour, hour and a half or so is like feeling pretty solid. And that seemed to do a lot for me. Um, but yes, yeah, so we're kind of, we got halfway to Nikolai and um, there's the, someone with a big sled had come through and kind of smoothed the bumps out a bit. They weren't lying on, at least they weren't as sharp. Um, so that actually let us increase our speed quite a bit. Um, but yeah, it's always like the whole section is dark um, where I don't know, it sounded like some other people saw the buffalo through the, the burn area there, which would have been kind of cool. I saw some in 2020, but usually like every time I've done this race, it's been really dark and in the middle of the night through that section. You just so, see the trail in front of you, right? Yeah. I and mean, at some point it would be pretty nice to like kind of tour it, I guess, just to like see everything. Yeah, well, that's always an option for you, you know. Well, yeah, <laughs> but now you you do have you're you're an athlete. You race cross country. Yeah, uh, Vermont. Uh, well, I was at UAF and then APU. Oh, okay. Yeah, but didn't you like? Weren't you like good? Uh, I, I guess so. I, I did a bunch of the junior world championships and under 23 world championships for uh, so i kind of i don't know i went over to europe for seven kind of years in a row for the championship races so that was pretty great and kind of so you've got fast bones in your blood i guess so (laughs) (laughs) well it's hard when you pin a number on even figuratively uh you know a gun goes off and there's a finish line it's hard to keep that in check and just go for a leisurely four-day ride to McGrath oh it's it's gotta I'd have to probably go with someone (laughs) kind (laughs) of I mean 
it would be really like at this stage of my life, I'm definitely like wanting to race it. So yeah, I think, I mean, this would be something I would love to be doing in when you're old, 20, 30 years from now, it'd still be pretty awesome to be doing this. Like, yeah. Um, which isn't like at all a stretch for the people that you see out there. Like for sure. I am. That's still like kind of, I mean, I'm 36 now, so I'm 20 years, I'm only 56, which is like right in like the, the middle. Probably the average there. age of people who do the uh, ITI. Yeah. Uh, in, so, I mean, in 20 years, you'll still be you younger than it, like, I am uh, now. <laughs> um, well, I want to ask yeah. about some, uh, some stuff like your bike setup and okay. where you bring with you i know you do it super fast um the 350 you've got required gear do they, they do a gear check don't they no no required gear okay um, the only required thing we have is the tracker okay um uh, i was thinking of maybe it's arrowhead well but... I have arrowhead there's a bunch of other races that do require gear but yeah. i think but uh, i know kanjo has said uh once you get to ITI, and I thought he was talking about the thousand, like, oh, you better know what to do at this point. Yeah. Like, once you're in, yeah. like, you should know what to do. So, what do you yeah. bring with you on a um, 48 yeah, quote unquote, so, hour race? Yeah, I mean, this was my overall, my, I think, the lightest I've done the race in terms of gear. Um, let's see. I guess the main things are you kind of like no matter what you need a solid like repair kit in terms of like just I don't know random nuts and bolts tools for um, whatever might break. I mean you can't bring everything, but um, I mean you definitely need a solid kit that you know how to use. Um, I don't know tape and all kinds of zip ties and um, so the repair kit, I do bring one spare tube with me in case something really happens. Um, and I have two little pumps. I kind of have, because it, it really sucks. Like I've had, I did break a pump one time out on a ride here in Fairbanks and it was like 30 below and I had to walk 10 miles to get back to the road system. And um, if I would have had like a spare pump with me, I could have pumped up my tire and ridden that. So um so i bring two pumps um then you start looking at like okay what other kind of necessary stuff like a spare headlamp and um some batteries for that stuff and then um i don't know i've got my electronics bag so i've got like um lighting i guess i've got a little tiny spare black diamond like triple a powered light and then i have a um, black diamond icon with the rechargeable battery that I have on my head. And then I've got, uh, and that does 700 lumens. Um, and then on the bike, I've got a Lupine Blica, which will do like 2,300 lumens on high and with a, a good size battery. Um, so basically I can get like two nights out of one of those batteries going all night. Um, even in the cold. Yeah, no, it's pretty good. I mean, uh, yeah. and I don't run it very high. That's, I'm keeping most of my light power pretty far powered down, but I found it's really nice to have lots of power um, out there if you need it. Um, so that's kind of my light setup. I mean, I mean, I've never run out of light or ever needed my spare light. Um, 
And then I start looking at, just kind of trying to envision what all I have on there. Um, this year I took the waiters. I mean, it's always like a, a debate among other racers. Like, did we bring the waiters or do we not? And like, this was the first time I've actually like used them, but other times I've just taken trash bags. And um, then you look at like, okay, and the survival side, I'm like, I'm, it's a, it's definitely a different race for others who are gonna take more than like, like, um, I don't, I might, I'd bring a zero degree sleeping bag, um, which I mean, is debatable on whether that's a good idea or not. Um, I've never had to bivy on the trail, so, um, but I do have some like insulated kind of poopy pants and a, a bigger jacket. Um, like, so I know like we had a really long cold winter here and like, I know I'll be comfortable at 40 below. Um, with what I carry, which I mean, it's kind of nice being from Fairbanks and being able to like spend all winter getting comfortable in that. Mm -hmm. um, then I've got some like over boots that I made that were like, okay, these will, and then um, kind of keep me warm enough with what's going on. Um, I use the 45 North uh, Wolf Hammer boots, which um, most people in the race who are using clipless pedals are on the Wolf Gar, their warmer boot. Um, but I don't know. I've never liked that boot. It's just been too heavy. And um, I, I much like their, their their next step down boot just in terms of the weight and the walkability of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and but I, you are yeah. clipping in your clipless pedals? Yep. Huh. Do they get clogged? Like you're going uh, through yeah. slushy? Uh, I mean, you, I had a problem where I couldn't get in. Huh. Um, I mean, you can just kind of kick the ice off and yeah it doesn't take too much and um i use time pedals now um Which a lot of people use, open yeah I and mean, a lot of people i don't know i mean there's debatable it's debatable whether like crank brothers um there's been enough I've seen enough failures for people, which I mean, it's really just the bearing kind of being worn out, I think, but uh, or the springs have broken. So at least like the time has a spring on both sides. And um, I think most people are probably actually on like uh, SPD from Shimano, yeah. um, but I don't know. Um, that's kind of a personal preference slash like experience and see what, like I've broken a couple things. So you kind of stay away from that stuff um let's see i make my own frame bags oh, and i make my own pogies keep my hands warm nice uh, i do run a gps in each track for kind of the route info um to kind of record my the rest of my data i'm just using the, the garmin um enduro watch which is pretty great like that thing's amazing um i did this whole race and i used up uh 70% of the battery i didn't charge wow. it once there wow um i went another like week and a half at home before i had to charge it <laughs> oh that's awesome and that's not using any other like ultra track modes or anything so like um yeah, so that was pretty great. Uh, that's kind of new for me this year. I've had some older Phoenix watches, but 
Um, let's see, what other gear? Bike, what do you ride? I, uh, yeah, uh, bike. <laughs> <laughs> um, a 907 uh, Lynx, mm. um, basically based out of Anchorage. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had that in 19, didn't you? Yep, I've had that one for a little while now. It's uh, it's uh, been through a lot with me. Now. We've we've done a lot together. <laughs> <laughs> Develop a relationship with it. Yeah, uh, uh, much like uh, like Steve and uh, <laughs> he kind of. It actually just got my bike back uh, this morning from the race. Um, oh, it, it sat in the graph until for a week. Because um, it was kind of a pain in the butt getting gear out of McGrath, and there's been a bunch of changes in the freight companies. So hmm. everyone, no one got their bikes out of McGrath until a week ago Wednesday, and um, it got to Anchorage, and then I had some guys ship it up here for me, and they finally got it today. So I got reunited. Wow. Huh. That's interesting. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, how everyone. I guess including me got out of McGrath. Was it Alaska oh, Freight? I think yes. I took Alaska Freight. Oh, it's um. There's been a couple of airline changes that like um, just don't service there anymore. Now it's Linden um, Air Freight, but yeah, I think it's it kind of just weekly. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's too bad. Started uh, like one of the other cargo companies stopped flying, so I think everyone was lost on really what was going to happen. Like yeah. other years I've flown out of there with my bike. It's never been an issue, but yeah, now they're too small to carry bikes. Um, but yeah, so I think it's just kind of been a shrinking, the grass kind of shrinking a little bit on top of COVID. You don't get the visitors they used to get. Oh, sure. Um, so I think overall just, and people just aren't moving around as much. So the airlines have been, shrinking their operations quite a bit to the villages hmm. um which is I, I mean i'm sure that affects more than just us getting out of mcgrath it's i mean like it, this probably had to be a pretty major shift for just the economies of all these little villages yeah um, for sure that's the lifeline yeah so i don't know i'm not really sure how that all works but definitely made it a little more difficult for us to get out of there yeah, indeed. Um, so speaking of getting out of there, I, I'm curious, and I always kind of wanted to ask you this. Um, I don't know if you saw Thousand Miles to Gnome, the, the film I yeah. made. Um, yeah. Steve and uh, Peter without an E, and I mean, kind of everybody who left McGrath all say, like, the race doesn't start until you leave <laughs> McGrath. Yeah. Uh, How does that make the guys who finish in McGrath feel? Well, I mean, it's a different race. It's a different event. Like, I, I guess I can't even really compare the two. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's very much like, it's a very different thing once you leave McGrath. And I think like, I think if you're going to Nome, you have to be pretty measured in, your, in what you do to McGrath. Um, and I've definitely, I mean, I think I want to go to Nome eventually. Like that's kind of in the long-term plans. But um, yeah, I mean, I think your mentality has to be like, you don't really want to be too worried about stuff until um, you get to 
past McGrath because this, I mean, the drops change the, the whole nature of the event, like you're probably going to not see nearly as many people and the checkpoints are all like everything operates differently once you leave McGrath. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I've never, I just like kind of in my mind, they're just so different that it's kind of uncomparable. It's just like really two separate races, two separate yeah, events happen to start at the same time and take the same yeah. trail, but I know there's some people that might ride a little harder just to get to McGrath, but I mean, it's also because you're so well supported all the way to McGrath that you can, you can do a little more and you can go a little harder and there's just a few more resources. And yeah, definitely um, some resources along the way. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely stuff out there after McGrath, but like things are a little more kind of spread out and a little more remote and you got a little actual like a little more village time and trying to, you have to do a little, quite a bit more of your own, just like figuring things out where I think before the, the race to McGrath, is just, yeah, just so much more kind of help to get there and a race of people and checkpoints are, they're dealing with a lot more people all the way through. So, yeah. Yeah. JP said at uh, McGrath in, uh, 19 he's like it it was it was like a bike race yeah which just feels crazy to think about 300 mile through well on a snow machine trail yeah. i mean a dog sled trail it's a dog sled uh, yeah trail, i mean right? the faster the faster years i think these two day two and a half day race years are definitely like um I mean, it's really just all most, you just got to keep moving and moving pretty fast the whole time. And, um, there's, you still get that sense of adventure, but it's different. And it's not like you really, um, I mean that 2020 years, like, okay, we're gonna, we're really tired. We're going to sleep for six hours. (laughs) Right. And when you get more walking and cold weather and, um, definitely a little more sense of an adventure. Yeah. Um, if somebody were thinking of putting the ITI on their schedule at some point in their life, what, uh, what's something you would tell them? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's just really being, uh, yeah, I don't, um, (laughs) don't (laughs) go to. Go to well, Texas where it's warm. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I guess you got to be comfortable with what your gear is going to do when it doesn't work right or be really like, um, and anyone can really ride a bike. So, I mean, it's not like, okay, you just got to like put a smile and like you'll get there. But kind of, I think you got to do a certain amount of research to kind of know what you're getting into. And I mean, nowadays there's so much like, info on the internet that um like everyone will post something about their race and i don't know i always find it helpful to like look at i don't know i mean you can read what other people's experiences are out there and kind of get a sense of like um i mean it really 
love what the goals are like I, race it. I mean everyone's racing it but like if you're going for you're going for a fast time and you're gonna you're planning on not sleeping um i mean that's a totally different experience than um then maybe on a good year you kind of want to do it in five to seven days on a good trail um i mean that's uh i mean you're gonna feel a lot different out there you're gonna see a lot more of the the trail um so then it's a little more like okay being comfortable and potentially your sleep systems and um and then just being able to bivy and stop and or make food melt water on the trail like that stuff gets more important um kind of the more time you spend on the trail where like if looking at a two-day race you're you're not really there's no time for that really so you're just kind of um like i don't carry a stove to go to mcgrath i don't carry i have fire starter um kind of this emergency kit but i'm definitely not like i'm not planning and like i can if i do need a like emergency stop and like sleep on the trail um i've basically got the bare minimum to do that and hopefully not die um i guess is kind of the goal Fair enough. Um, so where i think like there's definitely most people are not going to go into this event with that kind of mentality um i mean maybe there's definitely a, a group of people that um you got to be comfortable like kind of riding that edge um i mean i think any of these kind of adventures i know once you get into remote areas of the wilderness um i mean you don't really want to you end up packing your insecurities i guess carry so like um i don't know you could easily throw on another 10 to 20 pounds of gear um for either comfort or just your worried about different things and um for me like it's hard to do because then your bike weighs that much more and it's harder to ride up the hills and like float on top of the snow and um i don't know i kind of like the light and fast just kind of blaze through it and kind of i think my bike with everything on it i was maybe just a hair over 50 pounds this year um which is not too bad. Um, I think my first year I was probably more in the 60s something range. Um, so it's kind of refining. Oh yeah, I guess other gear things. Like I did run last two times I've gone, I've run a rear rack with a uh, little Revelate panniers. Um, and then um, I have this other custom bag I made to go on top of that. But uh I don't know. I've kind of found like being able to compartmentalize my gear in the different spots on the bike is a lot uh, easier to like find stuff and not like have to dig through a seat bag. That's kind of just a big stuff sack. Mm -hmm. um, there's definitely like, I don't know, little things that like you do it a couple of times and start refining the way you like ideally look at stuff and just making it easier to like get stuff on the, um, I don't know. You don't want to have to dig through too much stuff. So it's really, yeah. I, um, just kind of being comfortable with your gear and knowing where stuff is and how to fix. I don't know. I mean, I've never had anything break on the trail, um, but I don't know. I'm sure something will eventually. 
Well, you do it enough, something will for sure. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, um, that's also like going into everything really prepared and making sure like you have someone you trust, like look over your gear and look through your bike and um, kind of swap stuff out and not go into the gear with like worn out parts that you know are like kind of marginal to begin with. Mm, and I think right. you can avoid most of that. I like how you said uh, you pack your insecurities and that's so true. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Boy, that could easily add up to pounds that you yeah, simply put on the airplane to ship home. Yeah. Um, or just, I don't know, like you're going harder and faster. You probably don't need, I don't know. I mean, I don't even take a full like pad to sleep on. I think I had basically like a two foot by two foot square piece of foam. Wow. You do really dark. pack light. I can rest my shoulders on it and put my feet on something else. And I really need to go off the snow a little bit, but, or I can sit on it, but I've never had to use that either. So. I feel like if you're using that stuff has gone wrong and. Well, that's kind of where, how I'm looking at it. Yeah. You, you um, then like time doesn't matter. So yeah. let's build a fire and let's get a proper yeah. place to sleep or let's survive for two hours till the sun comes up and I can get out of this situation or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of, you got to be planning ahead a little bit for um, kind of know what you're going to do, but um, yeah, there's definitely a certain amount of like, you kind of have to take a risk here and there and not bring as much I think in certain cases and um, just be confident in what you've got and how to use everything you've got. Yep. Very cool. Um, you done uh, snow racing this year? Oh, I got a hundred miler, the White Mountains one hundred. Oh, uh, right, that is week, coming up. A week and a half here, so that should be pretty great. Very uh, cool. Still the... cold up there? Oh man, it was fifteen below at my house yesterday morning. Oh, it is still cold. It was seventy yeah. here today. Oh man! I, yeah, in, I went for a ride in a short shorts and short sleeve jersey today. Yeah, well, we're still away from that. Um, yeah, yeah. No, it's very much winter here. We haven't really started to melt anything yet. Oh yeah, um, wow! It's been. Uh, I mean, we have a lot of snow too, so it's going to be a pretty long breakup potentially. Um, yeah, the high temps are still not forecasted in the next like ten days to go over like twenty five. So Ooh. when do you start seeing flowers come up? <laughs> uh, oh, I mean, it's gotta be sometime in May in the May, maybe. Oh, that's not bad. Kind of I mean, like the snow disappears really fast eventually here, like in the, probably another three weeks, like all of a sudden, like some, some years of switch this kind of flips and it's like, I know I still have snow in some places, but like big exposed areas, like will melt really fast. Hmm. interesting right. a little different every year yeah I mean, well, definitely very cool. no one uh, plants in their garden around here till june uh, yeah, Otherwise, i respect that we're putting uh <laughs> mother's day we're putting stuff in the ground <laughs> but, yeah, okay, uh, yeah you're three thousand miles north of me so <laughs> it's a little different 
It is. Yeah. Um, well, uh, congratulations. That's uh, awesome. Thanks. You'll yeah. uh, toe the line uh, next year to the best of your knowledge. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I mean, I'm feeling like I've still got next year in me. Wait, I, feel, I feel pretty recovered. And, um, yeah, no, I should be good. It's yeah, it's been nice. Like this year, we're finding out both kids in school. Um, I've got a five year old and eight year old, so um, that's actually really helped me a lot in having time to train and stuff. So that's been that's been good. Yep. They do eventually grow up. I promise yeah. you that. Yeah. No, but it's been nice having a little more free time in the mornings to before work to not have an extra kid around. Yeah. Very cool. Well, listen, I appreciate you spending time with me and yeah. um, telling stories from the Iditarod Trail. It's yeah. such a place of mystery. When I went up there, I had this my vision was that once you left Kinnick, you just went into the wilderness and there was nothing there. And, uh, I went, I bunny hopped up. My first stop was Squentna, which is 90 miles up the trail or so. And I, uh, a a little two seat bush plane lands on Kinnick Lake and picks me up and we flew over and, uh, that like, just west of Kinnick, that whole area was just laced with snow machine trails. Yeah, yeah. And then we get onto the Yetna River and there's cabins all along the river. And I'm like, oh, right. Like everybody from Anchorage has a cabin on the Yetna River. And yeah. everybody goes snow machining on the weekends up the uh, yeah. up the Yetna and into the freaking. Yeah, I don't really feel too remote till you leave Rome. Yeah, right, exactly. Once we got over the Alaska range, left uh, Rainy Pass, it felt, <laughs> I said to my pilot, um, uh, actually, <laughs> I had the thought as we're flying over the burn, I'm like, I wonder when we go down, will anybody ever find us? <laughs> like, we're in the middle of absolutely nowhere. We're never going to be found. And uh, we're in this little, I mean, he built this little Piper Super Cub. Mm-hmm. It's a motorcycle with wings. Yeah. And we're, fl- we're kissing the tops of the trees. I mean, we're flying 50 feet the whole way across. <laughs> and uh, I was like, so you do this uh, full time? Drive, fly people around? He's like, no, this is just for fun. And I'm like, oh, we are going to die. <laughs> and I was like, well, what do you do full time? He's like, I'm an airplane mechanic. I build these soup, uh, Piper Super Cubs. I was like, oh, okay, I feel better now. Lucy knows what he's uh, working with here. And he at least knew our plane was hopefully in good shape. But he was a great dude. Ken and uh, uh, where does the Iditarod start? Um, it's up at uh, Willow. Willow, Willow. That's where he's from. Ken from Willow. Yeah, I was. I was shocked at the amount of. I was shocked at the amount of traffic. I hung out at Squintina for 24 hours and people flying in for dinner, people snowing (laughs) up and it was just amazing the amount of traffic up there. All all the way to Rainy Pass, really. 
Yeah, yeah, no, it's we see such a small sliver of like the activities that go on up there, but yeah, I mean, they make a living on these lodges. They do pretty well. Yep, they're pretty cool and they're nice. They're worth a visit. I'll let you go. uh, Get back to work. Uh, Say hey to everybody at the shop there. Yeah, thanks. It was fun. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Tyson. He's a great dude. Really, he is one of those incredible people doing incredible things that I talk about at the beginning of every show. It was fun to catch up with him. You can follow along on his adventures on Instagram at Tyson.Flaherty. That's F-L-A-H-A-R-T-Y. And if you'd like to watch A Thousand Miles to Nome, or my shorter film about the ITI-350 called Down the Kuskokwim, you can buy or rent them at expandyourpossible.com or stream them on the Adventure Plus streaming service, available as an app or at adventureplus.com. That's A Thousand Miles to Nome and Down the Kuskokwim. I really appreciate you tuning in to Bike Talk with Dave. It means so much that you take the time to listen. If you dig it, please rate and review. I'd love your feedback. And if you have any ideas of guests that you'd like to hear from, shoot me a DM on the gram at dmabel122. And tune in next week as I drop a two-part episode with Felipe Nystrom, the Costa Rican cyclocross and road race champion. Way up in Alaska, the state that stands alone, there's a dog race run from Anchorage into Nome. And it's a grueling race with a lightning pace where the chilly winds do well. Beneath the northern lights and a crow and the ice, and it's called the Iditarod Trail. Well, give me a tea with a good lead dog and a sled that's built so fine. And let me race those miles to Nome 1049. And when I get back to my home, hey, I can tell my tale. I did, I did, I did the Iditarod Trail. Well, the race, it won't be easy for the masters of the trail. And some of them will make it, and some of them will fail. But just to run that race takes a tough and a hardy breed. And a lot of work done by the dogs that run across the snow with a whistling speed. Well, give me a tea with a good lead dog and a sled that's built so fine. And let me race those miles to know one thousand.